Welcome, everybody, to the One to Go show. We have a huge show tonight, and we think we have some of our technical issues resolved. Guiding you through the show tonight, as always, Ryan Aho and Bert Lehman. This is Puka speaking. So I feel like we've got, you know, like five shows worth of content, but obviously we're going to have to shrink it down into one. You know, we just finished a you know week of racing in Florida, on both coasts, and I guess that's where we'll start tonight, Ryan. Uh, we'll start with you. What are your, you know, some of your key takeaways from Florida's racing here in 2020? Well, there's been a lot of it, you know. So to sum it up, I mean, I can take the next three, four hours and pretty easily do that. Um, but uh, I don't think anybody wants to listen quite that long. But you know, I think uh, you know the the story of the of the modifieds, you know, down at Volusia has been the Nick Hoffman show, five straight Gator championships down there after tonight. Um, I think he finished fourth or fifth in the feature and and uh, dramatic finish in the, on the mods tonight with Spencer Hughes overtaking Jason Hughes with one to go after a late race caution. So that was pretty exciting. But, uh, man, there was some good racing at East Bay with the late models. Um, absolutely incredible. And what's really uh, interesting to me is, you know, what makes it fun for a dirt fan is one night it's slippery and marbly and hard to pass and dry. And the next night it's heavy and up on the cushion and pounding ruts. I mean, there's, there was not two nights where the track was the same. So you had to, the drivers had to shine and you found out who, who the top of the top is. And, and right now, plain and simple, B-Chef is on a mission. I mean, he is, he's got a ton of racing already in this year compared to everybody else. And, and there's no substitute for that. You know, when a guy's racing as much as he's racing and as good as he is with the, with the team that he has, he's going to be hard to beat each and every night. So I think it all starts right there with B-Chef. Bert, how about you? Florida reaction. Well, I agree with Ryan that, you know, Bishop is, has put together a very strong week, and that's after a very strong uh, uh, performance in Arizona. Uh, but a uh, driver that really impressed me uh, down at East Bay was Devin Moran. He's racing for a new team this year. Uh, he had a, uh, won a feature down at East Bay, and he was always a top qualifier in time trials. And another driver that sticks out is uh, Tim McCready. Uh, he's also racing uh, for a new team, and uh, he's put together some really strong runs down there. And another driver, uh, Brandon Overton, who had, I mean, he was runner-up a, a few times down in East Bay, and then I, I didn't see him in the in the rundown for one of the races, and I realized that he went to race at a different track and wound up making more money racing at a different track than racing at East Bay with all the names. Yeah, you know, you touch on that, Bert, and that's that's something that's totally interesting to me is a lot of the guys that stayed at East Bay weren't necessarily racing, you know, for Lucas Oil points, but they stayed there, you know, and it was ten grand to win and twenty grand to win respective nights up at Screven. And uh he went up there capitalized on that. So that was interesting. And actually Overton was indirectly involved with a with a huge wreck i'm sure you guys both saw it um one of the nights there at east bay when when davenport i mean he was looking good i mean his car was absolutely bolted hooked a rut rolled the nose underneath and car came up against the wall he went to stop and next thing you know there's kyle bronson uh behind overton overton turns down bronson hits him wide open and two race cars absolutely destroyed um, Overton fortunately stayed out of that one. And that actually reminded me of a story of myself back in, oh man, it would have been 2008. I was racing to try to win the Como mod series points in a modified up at the red clay classic. And Daryl Nelson, I think spit a drive shaft. So I left it between me and Al Utenin. And, you know, I, I just really had to finish mid pack and I had that baby locked up. And next thing you know, I'm behind Kelly Esty and I come off a of turn four and, all of a sudden, Esty turns hard left, and there's Mike Goodremote right in front of me, and I hit him wide open. I never lifted off the gas until I was all the way underneath him. I sent him barrel rolling from a dead stop, completely destroyed two cars, and uh, ended up losing the Coma Mod Series points. So I had flashbacks when I saw that one. Yeah, that was definitely a hard hit. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't sure if Bronson was okay at first. You even saw some fans running down to the fence. Like, some of the guys might have been, like, paramedics. And, you know, they think they have, like, an obligation, you know, to kind of do that kind of stuff. And, and hey, um, you guys, Did you guys see in the video there that there were some fans in the front, like, cheering when they crashed? 
Like, I literally wanted to hop on a plane and fly on down to Florida and just, like, punch about four or five people right in the side of the head. Like, there was literally, when that crash happened, on the video, if you look at it, there's some fans, like, arms up in the air cheering that he, that they crashed. And it's like, it's like somebody's drinking too much beer or they're just playing all out stupid. I'm not really sure which one it is or maybe a combination of both. But, man, people don't realize how much money's in these things. And how easily somebody could have been hurt in that deal. And then you got people cheering when that happens. I got to be honest, as a race car driver, I was a little ticked off when I saw that. Well, and they talked about, you know, how much work Bronson did. You had to get home and, and uh, get all the super late model stuff onto the crate late model so you could, you know, get back there the next night. And, and uh, yeah, no, I, the camera angle I saw, like I said, it looked like a couple of guys raced out and, and uh, tried to get through the, or got through the, you know, the fencing there, the, the door, whatever, what do you call it? Like a little door or whatever to get, you know, get out and, and uh, to kind of help because everyone can, I mean, imagine what it sounded like if you were there, you know, you just Oof. had to have heard that concussion. So yeah, that was loud. So what, what's your take there, Puka? I mean, uh, you know, we kind of gave our insight on a couple different things. I mean, what, what stuck out to you from the last couple of weeks of racing down there? Well, who's hot, you know, pretty much the same thing. Obviously Brandon Shepard, you know, ironically now he's a Lucas, you know, point leader you know he had the orange fins on on the spoiler like the, the point leader always does and of course we know he's he's jumping ship and when we race in the woo series you know like i said he's just kept the pedal to the metal remember he was second in st louis at, at uh in st louis there and then you know the wild west champ so you know t-mac new team new colors you know best start to lucas series that he's had since he's been in the series you know uh, he's on the pole tonight again over over in volusia so you know his He's, you know, got the throttle mashed. Uh, and same, you know, Devin Moran, what do you say? I mean, young kid, 25 years old. Is this going to be kind of his coming out season? Is he going to have the Lamar Jackson type season? Is this going to be what everyone kind of pays a little bit more attention to Devin Moran? I was very impressed. Like Bert said, he won a week ago. And then same thing with Overton. You know, Big Sexy, he he was there in the hunt, you know, every, just about every night. And like I said, he goes up and, and wins a couple of races, you know, up in Georgia. So on the who's not list, though, was like Jimmy Owens, you know, a two-time champ. You know, not a word. I mean, he was up there a, a couple of times. You know, you saw him in the mix, but, you know, he couldn't quite make a podium. Uh, Earl Pearson, he was just terrible. If you think about Earl Pearson, he's from Jacksonville. You know, these are somewhat local tracks for him. You know, besides maybe Bronson, I'd have to assume he's got more laughs on some of these tracks than anybody, you know. And even last night, 20 at Alltech. So, uh, you know, he's obviously going to have to have to get better. And it'd be interesting to see what he does, you know, what his plans are going forward. You know, we're eight races into this series now. Is he going to, you know, decide to follow it? Or is he, is he going to, you know, try something else? You know, who knows? Uh, Hudson and the O'Neill, you know, obviously he's only 19. You know, he's got, obviously he's got big balls. I mean, he wouldn't find me in a race car at 18. But, you know, the game has kind of stepped up for him. He's, he's racing for Mastersville now. And, and, you know, they're, they're, trying to rebuild this brand they're, they're trying to get this car back in victory lane and and same thing you know no podiums and i know he got injured and maybe you can spawn on that in a minute ryan kind of what happened there and then my last who's not is brian shirley after you know a hot arizona he went over there and same thing no podiums you didn't really see him in the mix at all last night at all tech he was 21st so you know the hots i think we can all see who they are but the the who's nots you know these are some big names that you know, quite frankly, I expected more out of it at this point. Well, I, I go with Alltech, and I looked at the racing there, and it, it didn't look to me like there was a whole lot of passing in general. You know, I think it was pretty slick top to bottom, not a lot of movement. And, you know, so I, I, I don't really put a lot of stock into that. And there was a, a pretty stellar field of cars, you know. And like I said, Brian Shirley, to me, is a guy that's always, you know, he's been fast, but I've never seen him consistently fast for me. You know, seeing what he did down at the Wild West, I was I was thoroughly shocked. I mean, like he was a class of the field, and I I got to be honest, I I don't expect him to be. I don't. I really personally don't expect him to have a lot of top threes. I really don't. I think he's going to be that guy that gets a lot of fifth, sixth, seventh. You know, I see him a lot of those areas. Maybe you get him around uh, some of his home tracks, he'll be a little bit better. But I just I just don't think he's on the same uh, playing field right now as. Davenport and T-Mac and you know another guy that I thought looked pretty darn good was uh, Turbo Tyler Herb um, he, he actually had some pretty good runs in there too another young gun you know I they kind of been slating on a couple of things I've seen online that Herb and uh, and Ricky Weiss are the are the two young rising stars and and Tyler Herb looked really good down there at East Bay 
Anything more for you, Bert? Uh, I just want to add that, I mean, I agree with uh, most of your not hot drivers, uh, you know, with Hudson O'Neill, you know, he's going to go through some growing pains, you know, racing for, uh, you know, a chassis maker that's kind of been out of the game for a while. I mean, when this deal was announced, we all kind of want ask ourselves, is Masters Built even building cars anymore? So it's going to take them some time to, uh, you know, get into the groove. Uh, so, you know, it's yeah, I, some growing pains. And I just wanted to uh, expound on something that Ryan said, uh, you know, that uh, there are some, a lot of, some drivers who decided to stay at East Bay and not go to Screven, um, and I, I just thought of this. I wonder if the fact that uh, East Bay was live on Mav TV for two nights, for so those drivers decided to stay at East Bay uh, to help appease their sponsors sponsors on their race cars. You know, to get the live publicity versus race, they could possibly get more win more money at a different track, but they want to get the exposure that they got at East Bay. That's a great there, point. There could be something to that with it being live on TV. I mean, they're they're always live on pay-per-view, but it's different being live on TV. You know, so some of the guys, that might have been a, a definitely a role in that. The other thing is a racer. I mean, it's traveling's, you know, we travel enough, right? You know, so if they're, they're, if they're at a track, it's pretty tough to get a person to leave. It's like, man, I'm already here. We're camped out. We're set up. You know, we already kind of got dialed in here the last three, four nights. You know, so there's a lot of variables that go into that. Um, but another thing we didn't talk about down with East Bay is, is possibly the race of the year already in the 2020 season when Mason Ziegler shocked the world and, and basically a, a, a slide job fest with the last four or five laps with Kyle Bronson to steal the win. Uh, I don't know if that was uh, sat, what was that, maybe Friday that was night? Friday, was yeah, Friday, Friday night. Friday yeah. night. Man, that was, you know, I think he started seventh and, you know, with that field of cars, I'm like, I wouldn't have picked him to win, but he did it in impressive fashion. Um, I got to be honest, that's one of the most exciting races, most exciting finishes I've seen in dirt late models. So that one's going to go right up there with race of the year already. Well, I mean, not only did he start seventh in the race, but he started fifth on the restart with less than 10 laps to go. And it was a single file restart. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, another thing I want to touch on is, is down in Volusia, you know, here's an example of how not smart financially us race car drivers are, right? You know, I was actually, I talked to you guys last night. I shot you a text. Uh, you know, I know I noticed, I believe, I think Hoffman won or Strickler. One of them two won, but there was a picture and it said feature win, $700. I'm like, what? I'm like, is there another zero behind that? Or I mean, like, what's going on here? You know, so we're, we got 85 mods registered to race at Volusia down at the, you know, down at the Dirt Car Nationals. And it was 1,000 to win most of the nights, 600 for second. And like 12th place was like 125 bucks. Now, 700 to win two of them nights. And I, I believe tonight was 5,000 to win because it was the, the, Gator, the Gator Championship. But it really doesn't pay that deep. Well, I know what it costs to race there. I've raced at Volusia. And back when I raced at Volusia, we could run three compounds of tires. And we went through, with between time trials, heats, and features, we went through a minimum of four tires every single night, if not five or six. Well, four tires, guys, is 500 bucks. Then you add in fuel and entry fee and wear and tear. And it's one of the hardest tracks in the you know country on engines because it's big and fast. It's like you have to win just to even break even on racing, you know, and I had people commenting on Facebook, Oh man, they should pay them more. Well, why would they, you know, on the promoter side of it, as a race car driver, I'd be like, heck yeah, they need to be paid a lot more than that. But on the promoter side, it's like, man, if we're getting 85 cars there for paying this much, why do we need to pay them more? We already got a ton of cars here. So it's kind of one of those deals. If they want to make more money, they kind of need to quit going. Well, that that reminds me of something, you know, Doug Bland said recently that, you know, some guys, you know, because we've talked about, you know, we just want all, you know, all the best in one series and, and go through the country and, and we don't need two late model series. We want one you know, late model series. And that might be what the fans want. But he said, was well, hey, he said, there's certain guys out there. They can 
they, they don't want to just win two races a year. You know, and the same thing with Scriven. You know, not that Scriven's field was easy. I mean, McDowell was there, and he wasn't at East Bay, and and Greg Satterley was down at Scriven, and you know, he's no scrub, and he was not at East Bay, and Chris Ferguson, but but it was you know possibly easier to get the win there, and you know, he he just made it. You know, he he knew these drivers. You know, like the, the back of his hand back when he was when he was running the you know the the series, and and you know, he just said he said some of these guys. They have to win. You know, they have to, they just have to win. There, there's there's just so much ego involved. And then there's even, you know, the T-shirt side of things and, the, you know, the collectible side. But, you know, that that's an interesting point that you bring up, Ryan. It's, it's absolutely the truth. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the, the debate has been forever. It's like what matters more, uh, the money or the significance? And, and every driver on the planet is going to tell you to your face it's the money but they're all going to be lying to you, right? And, and Volusia proves it. I mean, 85 cars, bam, 700 to win. I mean, really? Obvious, obviously, they're not there for the money. You know, I've seen 10 grand to win shows only get 35, 40 cars. You know, and they're paying 700 to 1,000 to win and getting 85. It, it's all the significance. It's all winning on a big stage, competing against the top guys. And, and uh, there's that certain feeling you get. And, and, and Puka, you've been an athlete. There's that feeling you get when you win, when you compete, when you're, you know, you like to be the guy. And, and there's a lot of type A people, right? There's a lot of alpha males in the racing community that like to be the guy. And that's why, that's why as a fan, it's so fun to see when you get them all together because you can, there's a lot of craziness that'll happen. But uh, the fact is they all want that significance. And so that that's going to be the ongoing debate forever and ever and ever is, is what is it the drivers really want? And, and I suppose, even though I'm not a sprint car fan, you know, we, we probably should not leave the sprint car guys out. I got a couple buddies that are sprint car fans that listen to the show. So just for those guys, um, uh, of course, Donnie shots, Brad sweet leaving, you know, basically uh starting off right where they left off down there um what's your guys thoughts on any of the sprint car action that happened down there go ahead bert first well um, to, to be honest i haven't paid much attention to the sprint car action going down there um i mean ryan's gonna yell at me for this but i mean i'm more of a late model guy <laughs> um <laughs> well well it was so, it was i mean i, I did watch and, and it was it, i thought that track, you know, was big. I mean, they really get going. Uh, you know, obviously there was that big crash that, that uh, with Ian Madsen. But, yeah, we had, you know, shots one opening night. And then Brad Sweet followed up uh, Saturday night with his win. And then I think it uh, – what was that guy's name? I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. But the guy that won, uh, Shuhart. Shuhart won last night. But, yeah, no, it was it was badass. It was great racing. And, by the way, speaking of Donnie shots, he is in his late model tonight. I and, saw that. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he checked in and got second place in his heat. Yeah, he had it won. I saw. I saw. He had a pretty good lead, and then all of a sudden, he just kind of jumped the cushion there, and boom, t- gave gave the lead away. And but uh, I I got a you know shout out to Hot Carl. If you don't listen on on Facebook, Hot Carl Chassis got a a great deal on there. But he talks about the flat brim hat guys, right? You know, and and I believe that that Logan Shukart, he's a driving car. I think he's one of those flat bill guys. You know, so they're not supposed to be winning. They're supposed to be winning on iRacing. We're going to talk about that probably a little bit too. Um, but, man, that Ian Madsen crash was – that was wicked, hey. And he posted yeah. on Facebook. He apologized, you know, to his team and to his crew. He says, hey, you know, I you know, I, I was going for the win. I misjudged it. It was all my fault. He goes, I, I don't put any blame on anybody else. That was all me. And he just drove right over the guy's right retire. I think maybe it was – I don't remember. It was Brad Sweet maybe. It was Sweet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe his throttle stuck because, gosh, they oh. were so close. And it's just like he – yeah, he just blasted off right over that right rear. It was nuts. Just lucky he didn't end up in the crowd. I mean, he the catch fence did its job. So hats off to the folks down at the Volusia Speedway for for having a good good catch fence in place. Because I've been to a lot of racetracks where if he would have did that at a lot of racetracks, he would have landed in the grandstands, plain and simple, right? So hats off to them with the safety with with uh, with them putting together a great catch fence because that could have been a lot worse than it was. Well, speaking of racetracks, you've raced at Volusia. Now, was it did the was the track this track? Because I know they used to have, they, they reconfigured or they did they do a bunch of work to the track within the last decade or so and, and changed it a little bit. 
Yeah, they. I mean, they always switch it up, but it's the same track. I think maybe they add a little bit more banking, but it's the same track. It's you know they call it the fastest half mile in the country, and it is. That place is crazy fast, and you know we ran pretty well down there. You know, I think we made the show every night and had a couple DNFs in there. Didn't win any, but we ran pretty well. And a buddy of mine that raced down there in a modified from Hibbing, I'm not going to say his name because you get picked on for me saying this, but he went down there, and after the first couple nights out there, he, he talked to another guy I know. He goes, man, are, are you scared? He's like, what do you mean? He goes, I, I was scared being out there. I mean, like, you're going really fast. Well, you could take our home track to Hibbing and literally put it in the infield. And now keep in mind, Hibbing's usually dry, so you're not going very fast. You go there, and they got some traction in that place, and it's a big monster half mile. You're on the pump, and you're going literally not not exaggerating. I bet the top speed is double of what it is in Hibbing. So he was a little bit nerve, nervous, but, just yeah, very, very fast racetrack. Yeah, and Bert, didn't you have a buddy down there from your side of the – uh, Wisconsin and uh, competing in the mods? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, uh, yeah, Eastern Wisconsin driver Mike Mullen uh, was racing down in Volusia all last week. Uh, this was actually the first time that he's uh, ever raced uh, UMP before. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, an, an accomplished IMCA modified racer. Um, he made all the features down there except for one, and uh, he usually started in the back of the pack in the in the features and he passed a lot of cars and I'm sure it was a great learning experience for him. Uh, I did see on his Facebook page that somebody posted, he did make the big show tonight. I'm not sure where he finished, but uh, I'm sure he'll take a lot away from this and hopefully he can make it down there again in the future. Yeah. And I got one last thing to touch on about Florida. I got some good friends of mine that went down there with the mods as well. The Brokings, Donnie raced down there, blew up at on night two and, you know, Shane Sabraski borrowed him an engine so he could keep up the, he could race the rest of the week. So, you know, that was really nice to Shane and just want, want all the listeners maybe uh, to throw a little prayer out for Johnny's grandma. Um, basically, I think it was on the second night down there. She got rushed to the hospital four in the morning with some, some health issues. And uh, she's been in the hospital sedated ever since and hoping to get out tomorrow or maybe the next day. So just want to just say a quick prayer for them. Hmm. Yeah, for sure, to the whole Broking uh, Racing crew. Well, just to wrap up on Florida, they, yeah, so like I said, tonight uh, they're racing over in Volusia with the late models, UMP night tonight, UMP night tomorrow night, and then on Wednesday night they will start the uh, World Bout Law late model season. But, uh, yeah, Wees checked in the pits. Uh, Madden checked in the pits. Bloomquist is in the pits. Like I said, Donnie Schatz is in the pits. Kate Dillard and Vic Hill. So there's a few names that were not on the west side of the state at, ironically, East Bay. Uh, but are on the east side of the state at Volusia at this time. Like I said, that feature will be rolling out soon. And we got T Mac and B Shep on. With that, we're already to the last lap. So we have one to go. So Landon Atkinson to follow the Wazoto Challenge Series this summer. Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about Landon Atkinson? I know nothing about him. Boy, that kid is talented. I'm, he's, I, I actually, you know, he ran mod fours and ran really well in that, jumped up into the Wissota Modifieds and absolute standout in the Wissota Modified. Uh, he, he's a top three runner about everywhere he goes. He runs a lethal chassis. And then literally I, I, I bought the pay-per-view to watch the Wissota 100 last year, and there's Landon Atkinson in a late model. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Okay, well, I wonder how this will go. I mean, pretty tough to just jump in a late model and and i don't know if he got i think he got second or third i think he got second at the wasota 100 he jumped in that late model it literally looked like he'd been there all year i'm like wow this kid's impressive um early 20s really nice kid um family's very involved with the sport and you know i think they uh they they help out shane sabraski as well but uh excited i talked to him just a little bit and he said the plans right now are to follow the challenge series he wants to run the first few nights, see how everything goes, but that's his plans. And, you know, just a standout. Look for him to make some waves. He's a very, very talented race car driver, keeps things underneath him, and, and he's uh, very respectful. So I think he's going to be a good fit in that class. All right, Bert, over to you. August 21st, Mississippi Thunder Speedway added a $5,000 to win non-sanctioned race. However, they said it's going to be Dirt King rules. So what are your comments on, you know, this is kind of a weird deal. Well, I find it interesting that, well, I mean, they have uh, two Dirt King races scheduled there already for this summer. 
So I was a little surprised when I heard about this non-sanctioned race. And, you know, last week we talked about the Wissota Challenge Series schedule and the fact that uh, Mississippi Thunder is not on this year's schedule, which leads the question of how important is a sanctioning if you're going to put on a big event? Um, I know there's, there's different uh, schools of thought to that. Uh, looking at it, I've never been to Mississippi Thunder Speedway. It's a track that I do want to go to. Um, maybe this will be the race that I get to. Uh, but just based on their location, um, going, you know, I can understand where they go. Dirt Kings sanction because they're going to get a majority of the Dirt Kings drivers there. Plus, they're going to get, you know, a good handful of the Western Wisconsin late models are racing it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many Dirt King drivers uh, make the tow over across the state of Wisconsin for a non-sanctioned race. So uh, I'm curious to see how this all plays out. Ryan, your comments on this one. You know, I think it all depends on location. You know, uh, you know, Bob Tim has done such a great job and they got a, you know, there's several people involved with that place over at in Fountain City, Mississippi Thunder Speedway. I remember back when that place used to be a tri-oval. It was literally like, a, you know, just kind of a, I don't know, a backyard track. They didn't have very good lighting, no wall, no nothing. It was just kind of, it was a different atmosphere. And now he turned it into an oval. They've done some really big things over there. They've had some really big races in a lot of different classes. But being where they're located, right, they're down in, you know, basically the, I guess it would be the south western part of of wisconsin well if you get south of them and if you get east of them there's not wasota there you know so they're gonna pull they're in an area where they can pull from multiple different areas but they're also in a location where all them different areas are different sanctioning bodies so for them it's one of those deals it's like man what's best for the track what's best for the fans what's best for everybody involved do we want to just sanction it and then we're kind of put out on an island or do we want to make it to where multiple people can come? And I'm going to be interested to see what the car cone is. Um, I'm sure they've put some thought into this already. So, you know, I'm sure they've probably talked to some different drivers, you know, to see if, Hey, if we do it this way, will you attend? You know, Bob Tim was a, a very successful race car driver. His kid, Jake Tim is a very good modified driver. So they've been on all sides of it. You know, and, and knowing that, I mean, he's a promoter that's been a fan, a driver, and a promoter. He knows what it takes to make things like this happen. So I, I think it's going to be a success, and I, I'm excited to see it. They got some good things down there. Well, I wonder how the folks at Red Cedar <laughs> Speedway, Menominee Field, I see that their final point night is actually that night. And I know points don't necessarily uh, carry the same weighting that, you know, maybe they did in the 70s and 80s, but I, I got to assume there'd be a handful of guys that probably are you know, want to have a decent point finish and, you know, obviously they're going to be seen away from Mississippi Thunder. So yeah, like you said, it'd be interesting to see and that. It's crazy. I would say it's interesting with that Raj because, or Puka and because the reason is in Menominee, you know, there's a handful of guys that just simply don't leave Menominee. But if you look at the challenge series, the bulk of the challenge series guys are Menominee area people, Menominee, Eau Claire, Cedar Lake there. It's that group of people. But most of the most of the ones that follow the challenge series don't run for track points at Menominee because there's too many Friday night challenge series races. So a lot you're gonna get a lot of the people like your door and Kanta and Radetsky and those guys. I would imagine they'll all go to Mississippi Thunder. But I think you're gonna see people like Mike Proc now and some of them guys will stay at Menominee because they don't follow the challenge series. So I would say all the guys that follow the challenge series are probably going to be down at that race in Fulton City. Yeah, that's what I'm interested, like you guys were saying. Like, Iowa, I mean, we don't, I don't feel we see for how many, you know, hundreds and hundreds of late models there are in Iowa. I don't think any of the three of us, you know, by the time it's October every year, feel like, wow, I've just seen way too many guys from Iowa racing. You know, other than Cedar Lake, you know, at the USA Nationals, you know, I don't see anybody. You know, and it's, it's really not that far. I mean, it might be far from Grand Rapids, or Hibbing, but it's not that far from, let's say, well, like, you know, in Cedar Lake, even on, even on a regular night, you know, Cedar Lake, I don't know, you know I think they got some kind of wacky rules. I don't know if, it, if they have to run a, a steel motor, if they can actually run a, an a aluminum motor there, but 
you know, you just, you just don't see them, you know, you just, you know, even, even Deer Creek, you know, I mean, they don't, they don't have late models anymore, but when they did, it's not like they were a plethora drawing a plethora of Iowa late models. And there's a ton of late models down there. There's a whole lot more modifieds down there. I just want to make a point to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was the hotbed for modified racing. <laughs> well, they got, got a big, hey, speaking of that, you mentioned Cedar Lake. I mean, is there, is there any Iowa guys? that go to the USA Nationals anymore? Like, is there even one? Oh, yes. Like, uh, okay, let me think here. Well, like Chris Simpson will come. And, is he Iowa? And, and yeah, Chad Simpson. Yeah. And then okay. uh, the, their their brother-in-law that used to race, uh, I think he was number 56 or 58. But there's there's a handful of, of guys that come up. And then, you know, Jill George, when she was racing, I think she's an Iowa girl. You know, she would come up with, yeah, there used to be more when that World Dirt Racing League, yep, you know, when they yep. had that Thursday night be the WRL race and then they jump into the USA Nationals. But, you know, they're, you know, and obviously, like I said, I guess we'll see how that, what do they have in the end? Uh, was it the Hawkeye 100? Is that the inaugural Hawkeye 100? Is that yep. what they're calling it that the World of Outlaws are having? But, you know, like so. I said, it just, you know, you can, it, it's just weird how Wazota is. Like, you know, I can go to Billings, Montana, which is a 12-hour drive, and I can see Wazota late models. You know, not that they're coming to Minnesota, not that Minnesota cars are necessarily going there. But, you know, I can, I can be in Iowa in six hey, and a half might hours. Smoke, you might see Smoke and Hank Berry, though, oh, if, you, yeah, uh, if you head out there. He's a, he's a Labor Day shootout winner. He's made the trek over to the Hibbing Raceway a time or two. We were, we were, you know, we weren't living in Montana yet at that time when he won the Labor Day shootout. But yeah, when we, we were living out there, we saw a lot of Smoke and Hank. Smoke and Hank was the guy in Victory Lane just about every week. We Absolutely. So <laughs> he's so. got, he's got one of them hard charger racing engines in there. I had one of those too. So a <laughs> shout out to them guys. Yeah. Big Nick. Yes. All right, fellas. Well, yeah, I racing, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago and now they've inked a big sponsorship deal with Coke. So the question, I guess, Ryan, maybe we'll start with you on this because you're kind of the iRacing guy. Any idea on the cash that's being thrown around there? And do you think going forward there's going to be a threat to not necessarily the local racer, but maybe more like the World of Outlaw Spring guy or the World of Outlaw Late Model guy? Are dollars going to be flooded online versus being put on the cars? Uh, no, um, as far as sponsorship goes, it's not going to affect anything in a negative way. Um, and for the record, I'm not the eye racing guy. I just maybe know a little bit more about it than YouTube, <laughs> but that, that, that's very limited. So I don't know a ton about it myself, but eye racing has become very relevant because you think about the, the generation of kids back when we were kids, like we actually played outside and we had matchbox cars and we played racing and and now they start playing video games at like age four right i mean they're playing video games all the time so what i i'm not worried about i racing stealing sponsors in fact you see i racing on a lot of race cars uh they're on josh richards and you know i think it was kyle larson right christopher bell i yep. think they both they both had them on there so i racing is actually taking some money out of their pocket and putting it into dirt car racing, and probably I, I'm I'm going to pay attention, but watch to see if maybe they start putting money into some asphalt stuff, maybe ARCA or NASCAR or you know the Truck Series or something like that. Maybe they already have. I I haven't seen that. But what I am concerned about them taking is drivers. See, because a lot a lot of young folks they don't want to work on stuff. They don't they don't want to do that. So they can get their fix of racing and actually have a fan base and do it and compete and actually make money online rather than building a race car and having to fix it, drive to the track, getting rained out and all that. They can just they can play racing all the time. So I'm I'm worried about a lot of the youth that maybe could get into the sport instead of them getting actually into the into the sport they're just going to focus on i racing and not actually want to race cars that's my concern bert yeah i mean ryan brings up some very good points i mean you know today's youth you know they don't have the hands-on experience that uh you know the drivers from you know the 80s and even the 90s had i mean Heck, there's there's some high schools out there that don't even have shop classes anymore. So, you know, being able to work on race cars isn't something that's necessarily taught anymore. 
And, you know, as far as, you know, there are people who want to race, but if you do it on iRacing, you know, you can go through the ups and downs of racing and not, and get into a wreck and, you know, you learn from your past mistakes, but doing it online is a lot cheaper option of learning from your mistakes than crashing a real car. Oh man, I can tell you what, I, I raced for a long time and one little mistake can be a whole lot of money. And I've also played video games as a kid. And like, as a kid, you smash up into the wall, you just hit reset. It's like reset. I'm start this one over. Not a big deal. I'm just going to start over. But that would be really cool if you could actually do that in real like dirt car racing. That'd be a whole lot cheaper and it'd be a whole lot less of a headache. And so I think you're exactly right there, Bert. Uh, some people are attracted to that aspect of it for sure. Well, that that would be me. You know, ask my wife. I can hardly use a screwdriver. So I look at a screwdriver and I'm always wondering what end do you use? You know, <laughs> what's the useful end? <laughs> All right, Bert. Well, your beloved Wisconsin, the World of Outlaw Late Models, announced another stop in Wisconsin for this summer, July 14th. The Godnick Law Speedway will play host to the series for the first time since 2013. Are you going to roll to Superior this summer for the World of Outlaws, Bert? Uh, I don't know if I'll be rolling to Superior for that race. Uh, actually, Superior is another track that I have never been to before, so it's on my list of uh, tracks to get to. I mean, my goal is to, um, you know, go to every dirt track in the state of Wisconsin eventually. Um, so this would actually be a good opportunity to to go to that track and view s- some of the best drivers in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I'll meet you there, Ryan. What do you What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, you know it's good for it's good for the world of outlaws. It's definitely good for the drivers. I mean, they were looking for a show to fill in that date between Eastern Wisconsin and their trip to the Grand Rapids Speedway two days later. So, you know, I made a lot of laps around the Superior Speedway myself. Um, actually uh, won several championships there. It's a great facility, great racetrack, and, you know, there's just a lot of passion for racing in the area, and, you know, that'll give the the World of Outlaw guys an opportunity to race on that Tuesday night. They got a day off on Wednesday. We're going to have some festivities for them up in the Grand Rapids area on Wednesday, and then they get to showcase their talents at the Grand Rapids Speedway that Thursday. So definitely excited for them to make that northern swing. Well, you keep me posted on that Wednesday, I think. I'm out of town. I think I'm actually having overnight that night. But if uh, you keep me posted on that Wednesday, if I'm wrong, I want to hang out with the guys. All right, we're going to stay in the Twin Ports. Uh, the Proctor Speedway held its banquet over the weekend. And Ryan Aho, I heard they had one hell of an MC. Well, a rumor has it uh, the guy that they put up in front of the room, they said the guy had a really big mouth, so they figured they put it to good use. But, yeah, I, I actually got to MC the Proctor Banquet. That was a blast. And the Proctor Banquet actually was in conjunction with the Gondick Law Speedway Banquet because the, the two tracks are about, well, probably not even 15 minutes apart. One race is Friday, of course, Superior, and the other one, Proctor, races on Sunday. So we held that banquet together, and, you know, there's a couple hundred people there. Had a blast. Actually, you know, we turned on the race uh, at East Bay on Saturday night to watch that after the banquet was done. And, you know, one of the highlights for me is, you know, a local legend up there, Tim McMahon. Um, He he actually, uh, you know, he started racing in 1973, and is still going strong. I I believe he's around 65 years old around that neighborhood. And uh, he, he's the only guy there. I picked on him a little bit. I said, Hey, I don't want to say you're old, but you are the only guy here that has won features in each of the last five decades. And uh, (laughs) so it was, it was exciting to see him win the championship. Just a great family. Um, Of course, his son-in-law is Buzzy Adams. Um, who has moved into a late model, won a ton of championships himself. So uh, really fun to get to visit with Tim and a lot of the guys. I, I spent a lot of time racing at both the Gondick Law Speedway and the Proctor Speedway. So just to be a part of that was an honor. And, you know, look, they got some pretty exciting things planned for the 2020 season as well. Yeah, I've seen Timmy win a lot of races. And tell him I'm sure glad he's back to the purple the last couple of years. Uh, that, that's more yes. fitting than the red. I love the purple. All right, well, to w- wrap up tonight, we're going to turn – our attention over to NASCAR and uh, is it the Bush clash or the Bush crash? Did you get to watch any of that Bert? Uh, yeah, actually I watched the entire thing. What'd you think? Uh, you got, 
you guys may think I'm crazy, but I did. <laughs> um, I mean, it was, I mean, the, it, one of the things I hate the most about, uh, racing at Talladega and Daytona is blocking. It just absolutely drives me crazy. I mean, if a car is faster than you, they should be able to pass you without you trying to block them. It, to me, it's the blocking that is causing a lot of these uh, big melees. And uh, but to only have what did it have four or five cars finish? And and well, then another pet peeve of mine is the bump drafting. Well, and Denny Hamlin wasn't even bump drafting; he was actually just pushing his teammate across the finish line to win the race. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm still I still enjoy watching NASCAR. I mean, not as much as I used to. I mean, I know a lot of people that seems to be um, uh, one of the hobbies of pe- people now on Facebook is uh, rip NASCAR every chance they get. And I mean, uh, quite a bit of it is deserved, but I've also been to plenty of dirt tracks where uh, races are shortened to five laps because cars, because the field can't make it around the track without an accident. And, you know, I've seen races where only on the dirt where only a few cars finish. So it is what it is. Um, but it's still racing. <laughs> who who won that again? Um, Jones, Eric Jones. Yeah, yeah. So so here's the deal. So I I'm a guy that's pretty critical of that. I call it NAPCAR because quite honestly, it's it's boring. I mean, so for example, you have a two and a half mile racetrack, right? And the field started with 18 cars. Like literally, 18 cars is boring on a half mile dirt track. Right, we don't want to see that. We want to see a full field of cars. So the whole concept of of that race, and only having eighteen cars in it, is just less than exciting to begin with. And then then you talk about the arrow packages and all that. Did you happen to see his car when he crossed the checkered flag? There, that thing was oh, yeah. just completely <laughs> destroyed, right? But you know, they claim, here's the deal. I'm not going to get it, I guess, but they claim. Oh, this is the best drivers in the world, right? The best driver NASCAR, the best drivers in the world. What a joke, right? That's not the case. It's not the best drive. It's far from the best drivers in the world. It's just the people that maybe had somebody to give them some backing and they got themselves a sponsor and got in. I, there's, there is a ton better drivers at Volusia right now than there is going to be at the Daytona 500 next Sunday. I can promise you that. It's just, it's just a different form of racing and. Maybe they're a little bit smarter because there's a whole lot more money there than the 700 to win on a dirt modified race. But the fact is, they're not the most talented drivers. There's just no way. You know, it's, can it be entertaining at times? Absolutely. In fact, I, I'm kind of the opposite of Bert. I prefer to watch Talladega and I prefer to watch Daytona because at least the cars are in a group. At least something exciting is going to happen. I don't want like to see wrecks, but I definitely like to see some excitement where they're bump drafting and passing and dicing at the end you get on these mile and a half tracks and stuff like that they get strung out and it's just boring you might as well take a nap it's just horrible but uh you know i it was astonishing to me i thought i thought it was six cars officially finished but i might be wrong it was six or less but to have that few of cars finish um the fans just they man i hope it didn't cost a lot to get in because i just don't see how that could have possibly been entertaining well, and I mean, you're talking about, you know, the statement of the best drivers in the world. Um, I mean, that and that is where NASCAR has changed over the years. And that's where I've started losing interest in NASCAR. I mean, when I followed NASCAR, you know, you had Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, um, you know, those are drivers who work their way through yes. the ranks. They, they worked on their own cars. They know how the cars uh, what you have to do to the cars, uh, you know, Alan Quickie, yep. you know, he did, he did it his way where, you know, we were talking about, you know, I racing earlier, you know, how many of the young drivers in NASCAR right now could actually work on their own car? You know, <laughs> do they know the different aspects of the car where they could actually work on it? Like, you know, the Earnhardt's did the Rusty Wallace's did and, you know, Dick Trickle and those drivers like that. It, it sure has changed. And I always say, this is just my opinion, my era, but I, I believe that NASCAR, as I knew it, died when Dale Earnhardt died. You know, he was absolutely my favorite NASCAR driver, and that whole era of NASCAR racers was 
to in my opinion the the best that was that was the best that was my favorite and not that there's not a few good drivers now but i don't think they'd hold a candle to that class yeah i think we i think we were fortunate enough to see the glory years of nascar there in the 90s and and you know we saw the sport you know from 1990 to the year 2000 could you i mean the tv the you know the, i mean remember when they were on tbs and they were kind of an afterthought and in the early nineties and by the late nineties on Fox and, and NBC. I mean, you meant well, NBC. Re- remember you know, I mean, they didn't even show the whole race. Remember they, they kind of show blips of the race for a while. They wouldn't even, that, they wouldn't even show the whole when race. It, yeah. When it was on the wild, wild world of sports on ABC, mm-hmm. they would show so many laps and then they'd break away to figure skating or skiing or something. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd come back. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I remember that. Um, Harry Gann, but I do want to mention that in the NASCAR truck series, I believe they their race is Friday night this week, uh, but there'll be at least four Wisconsin drivers hopefully in that race because you have Johnny Sauter and then uh, Ty Majeski has a full time ride. He's from Seymour, Wisconsin, on the eastern side of the of the state. Uh, Natalie Decker uh, is racing a part time schedule this year, and then a name to I mean this is for asphalt fans, but a name to watch. I think he's going to be the next Wisconsin driver to make it to the upper level of NASCAR is Derek Krause. Uh, he has a full-time ride uh, in the NASCAR truck series. He won the K&N uh, Asphalt Late Model Series he last from? year. Uh, Stratford. Is he related to Mark Krause? That you His dad raced late models, dirt late models. Would that be Mark? Was it not I think. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he ran a super stock back in the day, and then he ran late models. Um yeah, I remember that actually. So that I'll definitely watch him. And as far as NASCAR goes, you know, I'm going to be completely 100% factual here. You can't even compare the truck racing with the with the top. I think the truck racing is the most entertaining of it all. They're up on the wheel. They're not afraid to use. I mean, they were not afraid to use the fenders on on uh, this last race of course but the truck racing to me kind of reminds me of Wissota super stock racing like these are guys that are getting after it they're not afraid to kind of stick it in where their nose doesn't belong and there just seems to be a lot more action in the in the truck race so that the fact that there's a handful of Wisconsin guys in there um that'll give me something to root for now if there was Minnesota guys I'd like them a whole lot better but at least they're in the upper midwest (laughs) well that is and I that's really cool. And I'm going to I'm going to give a plug to the Full Throttle magazine because uh we've featured Ty Majeski and uh Natalie Decker on the cover of Full Throttle uh in the past when they were racing at the tracks in Wisconsin and we also did a story about Derek Krause when he was first starting uh racing late models. So, nice. you know, we try we try to profile the drivers while they're, you know, working their way up the ranks through the Wisconsin tracks. Well, how does somebody subscribe to that? Uh, we have a website. You can subscribe on our website. Go to www.fullthrottlenow.com, and the information will be on there. Uh, Full Throttle is a free magazine uh, that's distributed at participating racetracks and some uh, stores where they have the magazine racks for where they have free magazines. This is on Eastern in eastern wisconsin and central wisconsin uh but for those who want it delivered right to their house it's like twelve dollars for four issues nice nice. okay awesome well very good uh well speaking of nascar i guess you know the big one is this sunday the daytona 500 and we might as well hit you guys up with some picks i'm gonna uh, maybe i'll give mine first in honor of hot carl i think i'm gonna go with kurt bush and the and the flat brimmed hat (laughs) <laughs> he, he's he's never going to listen to this show again, ever, ever. <laughs> Bert, who do you got? Um, I am going to go with Denny Hamlin. Uh, he's the driver who pushed Eric Jones across the finish line yesterday. Uh, he was a lap down in a mangled up car. Uh, so I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. But I want to mention one other thing about that race. Um, now, if Tyler Reddick is racing full-time for Richard Childress this year in the top circuit. And I can remember watching him race when he was like, what, 15 years mm-hmm. old at the USA Nationals? Yeah, in the Bloomquist car. I remember that. From California. The California kid. Yeah, from California. Yeah, totally. 
He's got to be a flat bill hat guy, I'm guessing, too, probably, huh? (laughs) Well, he had really long hair when he was young, but now it's cut really short. It is. I thought, yeah, because I remember it was like skate or die. It's like, is this guy a race car driver or a skateboarder or what do we got going on here? We're not really sure. (laughs) So, you know, it's so hard to pick who's going to win the Daytona 500 because it's with the restrictor plate racing and how things happen and you get a green-white checkered in there and the big one and... You know, it's hard to pick who's going to win, but, you know, I'm going to give a shout out. My buddy, Chase Elias, and still pits for, still works on, as an engineer for the Jimmy Johnson team. And I know it's going to be his farewell tour this year. So I'm going to pick the 48 of Jimmy Johnson uh, just because of my ties with Chase Elias. All right, perfect. Well, yeah, we'll uh, tune into that one on Sunday. Maybe we'll hit it up a little bit of that racing action next week on the pod. So anything else, fellas? I think... Uh... We moved pretty fast and a pretty good show. No, I think that's it. It's fun. It'll be fun to see how uh, how the late models uh, close out Florida. They're down in Volusia tonight. Um, by chance, uh, did the did the late model feature finish yet? I mean, yeah, since me we're still on the right Yeah, let me check that right now. Yeah, so if you do not want to know the winner, turn off the pod right now because I'm going to give it to you. The Winter Nationals, 49th annual Winter Nationals, night one winner, Brandon Shepard, followed by Shirley and Dennis Herb Jr. So uh, there's the squirrel <laughs> making his way back up, and he started fifth, so he passed a few cars. So, uh, so Brandon Shepard. for him, and the cream always rises to the top. Cool. I hey, how did Weiss finish? How did Weiss finish? Weiss ninth. So, yeah, Madden 6, Owens 12th, McDowell's down there 15th. So, Ziegler 20th after such a great run. Hey, did you guys know? I didn't know this until, uh, you know, after that win. Uh, the rookie of the year in the Lucas Series a few years ago. I remember seeing him in Cedar Lake, and I know he's had some good good runs in Cedar Lake. Never put together, but he's had some, some you know, good heat. Remember uh, when he punted uh, Billy Moyer that year, uh, Bert, a couple of years ago? In the heat race? No. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Moyer was not happy. Actually, I don't think he really punted him. I think he had a slide job, and Moyer was not happy. But, um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, he was a rookie of the year. I didn't realize he had raced a series uh, one year. But, um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, Brandon Shepard, night one winner, and we will have full coverage of everything that goes on, Volusia, in next week's show. So with that, we want to thank all of you for listening. As we always say, get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the One to Go show. Thank you.